police emergency, this is Simone. Yeah, hi, my son is missing, he's three and a half. Um, sorry. What's your address? Benaroon Drive, yep. Kendall. Okay, Benaroon Drive in Kendall? Yes. Alright, I'm just going to bring that up on my map, I won't be a moment. Thank you. How long has he been missing? I, well, I think, well, we've been looking in for him now for about 15 or 20 minutes, but... Okay. I thought it could be five, it could be longer, because he was just playing around here. We heard him, and then we heard nothing. Okay. So I've got the nearest cross street it's, being Ellendale uh, Prison, is that right? So what is it? Ellendale Prison? I don't know. My, this is my mum's house. Okay. Um, hang on. There's another lady out helping us look in, and I'll see if I can find her. But it's Benaroon, B-E-N. Yep. Yeah, I can see. I can see where you are. I'm just wondering. Yeah, so it was, it's Benaroon Drive in Kendall, and I just got, I've got you nearest Cross Street as being Ellendale Crescent. It could be. I don't know. Okay. So he's been missing since about 10:30. Yeah, I'd say so. Okay. Can you describe him to me? How tall? Obviously not very tall. No, he's, 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 he'd be about two and a half feet. He's wearing a Spider-Man outfit. What kind um, of hair has he got? He's got um, dark, sandy-coloured hair. It's short, and he's got really big, uh, browny green coloured eyes. Okay. What's he got in his shoes on? Do you know any any other distinguishing features? Um, 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 he has... Oh, he's got a freckle on the top of his head when you part the hair on the left-hand side. Yep. You'll see a freckle on the top of his head. Okay. Do you know where he might have gone? Um, we're li we actually live, well, Mum's property is near a state forest. Okay. And they're on huge blocks. We've walked up and down Benaroon Drive and we can't find him. Okay. What's his name? William. Hi guys, welcome to the True Crime Sisters podcast. I'm Harry and I'm here with my sister Bill. A big thank you to everyone who has been listening to the show and leaving kind reviews and feedback. It's been so nice to know that there are people out there enjoying what we've been doing. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and all our links are in the description below. If you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe and leave a review so we know what we're doing right and what you would like to see more or less of. Today, we are looking into the case of little William Tyrrell, a three-year-old boy who disappeared from Kendall, New South Wales, on the 12th of September 2014 and has not been seen or heard of since. Just a warning to our listeners who are sensitive about crimes against children, this episode may not be for you. I think we can all agree that crimes against children are the most devastating to most of us and we completely understand if you want to tap out and join us again next time. And this case is very sad. Very sad so, and very disturbing. Yeah. Cases like these are a big reminder that, unfortunately, the world isn't always a safe place. We don't want to live our lives in fear and have to bundle our children up in bubble wrap, but it's terrifying that something can go so wrong when they're out of our view for the shortest amount of time. As a mum, this is the stuff of nightmares. You want to encourage independence and instill confidence in your children by not hovering over them 24 hours a day, but cases like this make it very hard to feel comfortable doing so. William Tyrrell was a three-year-old when he went missing. Today he would be six years old. The day before he went missing, his mum and dad, who cannot be named for legal reasons, picked him and his sister up early from daycare for a surprise trip to Nana's house. Apparently this was a last-minute decision. It was a four-hour drive from the family's Sydney home to the quiet country town of Kendall, where William's Nana lived. Kendall, New South Wales is a small country town which is 36 kilometres southwest of Port Macquarie. In the 2011 census, there was a population of only 833 people in Kendall. 
So this is a small town. It's the type of town where everyone knows each other, or at least they think they know each other. Now, just quickly before we go further into the case, I just want to speak about William's parents and the fact that they are not able to show their faces publicly. Um, The reason is that they have a long, complicated family history that legally prevents them from being able to be publicly identified. They also state that for this reason, they don't want William's siblings to be able to be publicly identified. Uh, We don't know exactly what the reason is, but I've seen it suggested that it might be a foster family who are in the process of formalising an adoption, but um, I'm not 100% sure. I just wanted to make it clear that according to the police, William's entire family have been ruled out completely of any wrongdoing and the legal complications are completely unrelated to the disappearance. And I think if you've seen any interviews of the parents, that is obvious. It's quite clear, yeah. They're definitely not suspects. William Tyrrell was an adorable little boy with light brown hair and big hazel eyes. He was known for his sense of humour and cheeky grin. On the Where's William webpage, his family describes him as shy but very social once comfortable. He loves all things Spider-Man, playing dress-ups and swimming. He also loves fire engines and his favourite food is prawn dumplings. He doesn't like dogs, peanut butter or tomatoes. Just to paint a little picture. Yeah, it's adorable. It's basically your typical little kid with a few little twists with his little prawns. but personality. Yeah, with his prawn dumplings. Oh, isn't that cute? adorable. So after driving to Kendall and spending the first night there, William, along with his sister and parents, woke up to begin their first day at Nana's house. William's father was a businessman and had to head into town for a bit to find some decent phone reception and run a few errands, and the rest of the family went outside to sit on the patio and play some games. William was wearing his two-piece Spider-Man costume. William's Nana lived on a large one-acre block with a huge sloping front yard leading down to the road. Her home was located at 48 Benaroom Drive, Kendall, and was located on a very quiet cul-de-sac. Kendall, in general, was a quiet, small country town, which was very popular with young families and retirees. According to William's mother, at approximately 10.30am, they were playing a couple of games, including Mummy Monsters and Daddy Tigers, and William was roaring away and having a great time. While his mum and Nana were relaxing on the patio, watching out for the children... They saw William veer around the corner of the house to the right. They could still hear him saying roar. A very short amount of time later, William's mum very quickly realised she hadn't heard William roar for a while. The silence was deafening as she jumped up and began looking for him. She describes looking for him and being unable to see or hear him as her world coming to a screaming halt. She and William's nana continued to search around the garden, hoping that William had just gotten lost momentarily. Soon after, William's dad came home and was distraught upon learning that they couldn't find William. He joined in the search, followed closely by a number of neighbours who had also helped look for William. After around 15 to 20 minutes of frantic searching, William's mum called the police, and you can hear her harrowing triple zero call at the start of this episode. When the first officer arrived, he bumped into William's mum down the bottom of the driveway on the street, searching for William, distraught. He reports that the parents were an absolute mess and being a parent himself, he really felt awful for them. He had them do a thorough search of the property inside and out to make sure that William wasn't hiding somewhere. As the day went on, more than 200 people were searching for little William Tyrrell, including police officers, SES volunteers and locals. No trace was found of William that night, but they continued to search around the clock. Hopes that he had just wandered off began to fade and fear began to set in. The police were aware that if William had wandered off, 
they most likely would have found him by that point. He was only three years old, so couldn't have travelled too far alone. The next morning, a police detective joins the case. She is local to the town and a mother herself. She reports that as soon as she arrived at the scene, she knew that something wasn't right. Within the next two days, police searched with dogs through difficult, damp terrain. They scoured the bush and drove into local waterholes. Their search efforts turned up nothing. At this point, they began to investigate other scenarios outside William just wandering off. And you can imagine at this point, the parents would just be... Absolutely frantic. On the 16th of September, police publicly stated that they had come up with no leads in the five days they had been searching for William. Also on this day, ABC News Media suggested that they had sources telling them that police were interviewing all the known sex offenders in the area. As it turned out, there were up to 20 known sex offenders living in close proximity of Kendall, which is something the public in Australia, we don't know where sex offenders live. we don't have a registry list that we can just go and look at. So can you imagine, I feel like anyone in Australia who finds out how many sex offenders live close to them, it would be quite a shock. Yeah, it would be. Well, we have no idea. I would assume it's a high number. Yeah, just 100%. Yeah. The investigation was leaning towards William being abducted by someone unknown to him. This is incredibly rare in Australia, so much so that I couldn't even find statistics on how often it happens. Most Australian child abduction cases appear to be parental or custodial abductions. It reminds me a little bit of our second case, Mr. Krull, just the horrible circumstances of a child being taken from their own home, their safe place. It just terrifying. Yeah, and the mini-sode I did this week as well, Eloise Wallage, was similar to... Mm. It's just horrible. And it's so rare that it's just, I think, when cases like this do happen, it becomes pretty well known pretty quickly. After a week passed and there was no sign of William, police had the hard task of convincing William's parents that it was in their best interest to go home to Sydney and leave the investigation with them. That must have been so So hard. hard. I would not want to leave. I don't know. Yeah, so hard. I guess you have to if the police are advising you to. Yeah. William's mum and dad packed up all their belongings, which they had bought with them for William, and left Kendall without their little boy. In an interview with 60 Minutes, William's mum recalls breaking down the first time she passed her little boy's room, knowing that he wasn't there with them. Mm, So sad. Also in the 60 Minutes episode, we see William's favourite toy, a doll named Little Tara that he used to sleep with every night, which is just so sad because you can imagine that as a parent or just anyone, you just want him to have his little thing, especially if he sleeps with it every night. Just something to comfort him. Just so at least if he, like at least for the parents' sake, if he'd been taken with that, they might have been like, at least he's got his little doll. Something but for them to hold on to yeah, as parents. But yeah. they, he doesn't have that with him. Days became months as police continued to work behind the scenes. On the 20th of January, 2015, the first person of interest in William's case became public, 63-year-old Bill Spedding. Spedding was a pawn shop owner and a local repairman. Bill Spedding had been in William's nana's house just days before William disappeared to give a quote for a broken washing machine. On the 20th of January, detectives arrived at the property he was renting with his wife Margaret in Bonnie Hills. Bonnie Hills is around a 25-minute drive from Kendall. Police searched Bill's home extensively with many items being seized from the property. They also brought in an excavator to drain the septic tank. Police also conducted a search warrant at Bill Spedding's pawn shop, which was located in Lorryton, which is around 10 kilometres from Kendall. Computer equipment and a mattress were seized from there. 
Bill Spedding maintained his innocence and stated that while he had visited the property previously to give the washing machine, quote, he did not go back to the property to finish the repair until September 18th, six days after William's disappearance. Spedding has an alleged alibi for the morning that William went missing. He says he went to his office in Loriton to pick up the washing machine part he needed for William's nana and attempted to ring her with no luck. He says he then met with his wife, Margaret, at the Buzz Cafe in Loriton for a coffee. When the cafe manager was asked whether she thought the couple had been there that morning, she said she recognised the couple but was unsure if they were there that day, which would be very hard to remember. Yeah, I don't think it'd be easy to remember that at all. Unless there was... No, it would almost be impossible, wouldn't it? I mean, except that William went missing that day. Maybe, like, people would have a more concrete memory of what they were doing that day. Possibly. Because I don't think things like that would happen locally very often. Yeah, possibly. That makes more sense. Apparently, Spedding and his wife then crossed the road to Loriton Primary School to see their grandson's presentation. Spedding said that photographs were taken at the presentation by a friend, proving his alibi, but the existence of these photos has never been publicly confirmed or denied. He states that he then went to a job in a nearby town called Dunbogan, which is very Australian-sounding town. That is. And then he rang William's nana again, who told him not to come that day, but she didn't say why. He states that he was not aware of William Tyrrell being missing at this time. After he was named a person of interest in William Tyrrell's disappearance, it came to light that he had potentially offended against children in the past. It is alleged that Bill Spedding was staying on a friend's property in a caravan in 1987 with two children. It is said that he sexually assaulted a six-year-old girl before she fought him off. Allegedly, he then turned his attention to a three-year-old, who unfortunately was found to have injuries consistent with penetration and sexual assault. Ugh, that's, sorry, it's really hard to say. I know. It's gross. Court documents claim that Spedding was able to keep the girls quiet by threatening that if they told, he would take their mum away. That's disgusting. These allegations were not pursued at the time that they happened because the victims were so young, but apparently they were known about. So none of that's proven. But that's not proven. Very, that's why it says allegedly yeah. very strongly in there, but it is public information that was able to be found quite easily. So we thought we have to add it we in. We have to add it in there. But none yeah. of that is proven. He hasn't been charged, but the allegations are definitely there. And they're horrible allegations. Mm. He is also facing multiple charges from when he lived in Victoria from 1983 to 1985, including indecent assault and sexual intercourse with children. He has not been convicted, but it definitely suggests that Mr. Spedding may have participated in past pedophilic behaviour. In fact, it was alleged by multiple sources that Spedding was involved in a pedophile ring in the 80s, which may be why he had access to so many children he was alleged to have hurt. Sources claim that there were other men involved in some of the charges against Spedding. This does not mean he abducted William, of course, but you can really see why someone from the area who had come into contact with the nana and with his history has been investigated so thoroughly. Not long after police investigated Bill Spedding, they made a public plea asking that anyone that was within a kilometre of 48 Benaroon Drive on September 12, 2014, should come forward and talk to them. On April 17, 2015, New South Wales Police publicly revealed what many people had already assumed. They were investigating reports that there was a pedophile ring operating in the Kendall area. And you just don't really think that things like this happen. Like, it seems like the type of thing that either, either happens in a movie or, like, happened a long time ago and yeah. is, like, a thing of the past. 
Like, and also for such a small town, like what it's but such in a, a way that would be the perfect place for them to operate. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because it's, they would go so under the radar. It just feels like that's such a dense population of not good people for the poor other people that live there who may be living there for who knows what reason. And then they've got this little dense population of, but isn't that kind of what they say about those sort of out of the way areas that like the bad, like not, not to say the bad people, not that everyone in Kendall is bad, but like it's a good place for bad people to get away from their past. Hmm. I suppose so. Scary, scary thought. Very scary thought. That they, it's just a scary thought that they all get together in a little town like that. It's quite disturbing. Freaks me out. I'm sure they do it in big towns too. Yeah. One organisation that was closely looked at by police was an organisation called GAPA, which stands for Grandparents as Parents Again. This organisation was formed by the Uniting Care, Burnside and the Country Women's Association. Since William's disappearance, two members of GAPA have been charged with indecent assaults of children unrelated to William Tyrrell. The ex-president of GAPA organisation, Paul Bickford, allegedly became a person of interest in William's case. He was a pedophile convicted of assaulting an 11-year-old girl with Asperger's while he was taking her down the street to buy lollies. According to her mother, she has been traumatised ever since. And obviously we're not saying that every member of GAFA is involved in this. We're just saying that there was a few members that were... select members. Yeah, that were charged and had allegations against them. A close friend of Paul Bickford, Tony Jones, also a member of GAPA, allegedly also became a person of interest in William's disappearance. Tony Jones is now in jail for the molestation of a young child. Both these men are thought to be a part of the alleged pedophile ring that was operating in the area at the time William went missing. In December 2015, police seized a white station wagon that belonged to Tony Jones for forensic examination. So as far as suspects go... The ones that have been publicly announced are all pedophiles and thought to potentially belong to a pedophile ring, so we get an idea of what police may think has happened to little William. Tony Jones actually has links to Bill Spedding too, which is worth mentioning. The two were reported to actually be friends. They lived across the road from each other at one point. I think it's quite crucial to the case that there are these links between the people of interest, so you can see where the pedophile ring idea comes from. There are also some suggestions that Bill Spedding may have been a member of GAPA. However, GAPA denies this. Bill Spedding was actually taking care of three children around the time of William's disappearance. There are some reports that the children were his grandchildren, but I can't say how reliable the media sources are. The children were removed from his care once Spedding became a person of interest. I just have to like reiterate my shock for the like the pedophile ring thought is just freaking me out. Like I just really didn't realize that was something that existed in Australia. Like when I was doing research, I was just shocked by the amount of pedophile rings that are actually operating around Australia. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, when I was doing my research as well, it seems like a lot of the pedophile rings start in sort of higher places, like within corporations or within like organizations and government sort of run things, which I found quite shocking as well. Like you don't really associate. I suppose I've heard of cases in other countries from many years ago and just been like, oh, that's something that happens over there. And it's 30 years ago or 40 years ago, or even like actually longer. I didn't think it was something in present in Australia today. Yeah, something that we need to worry about in current times. Pedophiles that are part of groups are the worst type of pedophiles because not only are they abusing their victims and changing the course of their lives forever, but also they are allowing their friends to share in the experience. 
In the age of the internet, it is easy for the sick people to find each other if they know the right places to look. When I was researching, I actually read that pedophiles from overseas sometimes operate in Australia because we've got slightly more lenient sentencing. And we don't really have like um, the sex offender registries, like as we said before. So it's almost like the best interests of the pedophiles are protected over the interests of the public. I've always thought that like the fact that we don't really have a registry that we can look up online and see whether there's sex offenders in the area. Yeah, it's a really tricky one. It really because obviously me. you don't want people like you don't want sex offenders necessarily being victimized but at the same time i think it's more important to protect future victims like people who are offenders offenders, whether or not that's their fault that they have that sexual orientation i don't really know but at the same time like it's not at all the children's fault if an abuser targets them like how can we protect the rights of a pedophile over the rights of the children i just do not understand that and i mean in america i don't know this for sure but i wouldn't say there's a lot of vigilante action against the pedophiles there is there so why would why would we have to worry about that yeah I've always been really torn about it I've always been I've always sort of understood the hiding their identities but then you research about how pedophilia is actually a sexual orientation and something that a lot of people cannot control and then you go well hang on that's really unfair incredibly dangerous yeah it's a danger to society like I, I also understand the logical reasoning behind why they hide their mm. um, identity but At the same time, it's not fair. It's not fair to people who have children. It's not fair to the children themselves. Like, Mm. I don't know if, like, one of my neighbours is a pedophile and, like, what if my kids go to play with their kids? And Mm. you just don't know. It's Like, you can kind of see why children are abused by people they know because people you know might be pedophiles and we wouldn't even know about it. Mm. Well, we wouldn't. I don't know if I'm overreacting, but to me it just, it it really disturbs me. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think it's overreacting. I just, I wonder how big a scale it is. Like, I wonder if it is just, if it's a big scale or if we're just talking a few people. Yeah, we wouldn't. Or are we talking hundreds of people in each suburb? Like, we don't know. Like, if you live in a very concentrated suburb, like, I live in quite a suburban area. Yeah, where you live. Lots and lots of people within a very small area. There's got to be quite a higher population of sex offenders in my area. But is there rules about how far they can be from schools and stuff? Like, you're quite close to schools and... Yeah. You wouldn't think that there are, isn't there rules? There is rules, but I've heard of pedophiles breaking those rules. Like, mm. I'm pretty sure one of the pedophiles in this case was living behind a school at one mm. point. Okay. So, I mean, how stringent are they on those rules? I don't know. If there's a lot of pedophiles, is there enough <laughs> parole officers to keep up with the pedophiles? I don't, I don't know. know. And we don't know how many there are. So. No. Very scary. It's a bit of a losing battle in mm. the first place. Very scary. In September 2015, police released new information about the morning William went missing. Apparently, an old grey sedan and an old white station wagon were parked across the road that morning. Strangely, they were parked in between two driveways on acre blocks, so it looked like they were parked in the middle of nowhere because these are huge blocks and usually um, cars that would be parked for a particular house would be in the driveway or on the block and these were parked like completely in between two driveways. So, yeah, and they both had their front windows down as well, which William's mother apparently saw these through the kitchen window and she noticed them because she thought it was strange where they were parked and strange that the front windows were down on both cars. As we just said before, the police seized a white station wagon which belonged to pedophile Tony Jones. So obviously this has led to speculation about whether this places Jones at the site of William's disappearance that morning. Police also announced that there was another two vehicles they were interested in identifying that had been seen near Benaroon Drive that morning. There was a dark green sedan that drove past as William and his sister were riding their bikes in the driveway. 
This vehicle drove past, did a U-turn in a driveway and drove back out of Benaroon Drive. And there was also a four-wheel drive that apparently left Benaroon Drive at around the same time of William's disappearance that police were interested in identifying. Also that month, a forensic profiler, Dr Sarah Yule, released information about what she thought about the potential abductor of William Tyrrell. She suggested that because nobody knew William and his family would be visiting with the nana, that the abductor would be someone who had reason to be at the street. He was most likely someone who was working, living or visiting there. The opportunity to take William was extremely small because his mother only lost sight of him for a few minutes. This was most likely an opportunistic crime where the perpetrator made a split-second decision whether or not to take William. She emphasises that when someone makes such an impulsive decision, mistakes are often made and that's what they're focusing on for the investigation. Just another little side note that I found when I was researching, um, if anyone is interested in following up a little bit further, um, William's family released a really beautiful poem um, at Christmas time, and it was just about how much they miss William and the fact he's not with them for Christmas. It's just really sad. On the second anniversary of William's disappearance, the New South Wales government announced that there was a $1 million reward being offered for information that led the police to William. The reward does have conditions, so obviously it has to lead to the arrest and conviction of the offender, but also in this case, William has to be recovered, regardless of whether he's alive or not. If someone who holds information is worried that they may get in trouble coming forward because they are potentially complicit in the crime, police want them to know that offences like concealing a crime will be negated as a reward for coming to police. As well as this, the police are able to guarantee the safety of informants and protect their identities. Now we're going to have a look at the potential theories about what may have happened to little William Tyrrell. Obviously we know that police are focusing on a potential pedophile ring link to the disappearance, but how did this happen in the blink of an eye? Detective Inspector Gary Jubilin says that the police theory is that William may have wandered down the sloped hill of his nana's expansive backyard. Back in Sydney, William and his sister would often wait in the driveway for their dad to get home from work and it was possible William was doing the same thing at his nana's, which is so sad. It makes sense as well. He just wants mm. to see his dad. And it's around that time, when, well, he, he thinks it is, Yeah, he just runs down. The fact that William was wearing a Spider-Man costume would have made it easy for an attacker to quickly develop a level of comfort with William. You can imagine someone saying, hey, Spider-Man, and William instantly trusting them. Police suspect that an evil person took advantage of a situation that presented itself and that this was a crime of opportunity. The way Jubilin described it was evil meeting innocence. The other theory that I have seen quite a bit is perhaps William's nana had told Bill Spedding in passing that William and his family were coming over, a good reason to have a working washing machine, obviously not knowing that he is an alleged pedophile. It is possible that if Spedding is the sick pedophile he is accused of being, that he thought this would be the perfect opportunity to potentially abduct William or his sister either for himself or for the alleged pedophile ring. We know that the initial theory was that William might have wandered off and gotten lost or even fallen into a drain or a body of water. But I think police are fairly confident at this point that if William accidentally died or wandered off, they would have found him by now. The community of Kendall has been changed forever by the abduction of the gorgeous little William. Parents don't feel comfortable letting their children play in the yard anymore especially after it was revealed there was up to 20 sex offenders living in the small community at the time of William's disappearance. 
This is such a sad case. It's so devastating to hear that such horrible things can happen to children. Detective Jubilin states that the investigation will not stop. Anyone who is a person of interest, not just the ones that we know about, but all people of interest, should feel the pressure because police will continue to close in. Until then, William's family lives every day with the pain of not knowing what happened to their beautiful little boy. Everyone still holds hope that one day little William will be able to come home to be with the people who love him and whoever took him so cruelly is punished to the full extent of the law. If you have any information about the disappearance of little William Tyrrell, it's time to come forward and tell the truth. Was someone you know acting strange around the time that William went missing? Have you always had some sort of suspicion that someone you know was involved? It doesn't matter how small your piece of information is. It may be exactly what the police are looking for. If you have any information that may help police with their inquiries, please call Crime Stoppers on 1800 333 000. That's 1800 333 000. So I guess just before we um, wrap it up, just we're not super far away from when this happened. So we're three years on. So obviously it's a long time but at the same time it's still quite fresh yeah so I just really hope that for this family's sake and for William's sake that they we do find answers for this one absolutely and if anyone's seen any of the footage he's just a beautiful little boy so so, cute yeah he's adorable yeah I really hope the case gets solved and we get some answers and his family gets answers and hopefully the best case scenario he gets returned to his family and gets to live his life with the people who love him. Thank you for joining us today for the True Crime Sisters podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and let us know how we're going. Follow us on social media. All links can be found in the description below. Make sure you join us for our next episode and Harry's Unsolved Australia mini later in the week. And please stay safe.